All right, guys. Hey, uh, welcome back to another podcast with Tier One Athlete. Um, I'm host Ray Casillas, and I've got a very special guest today, um, JP Dinell. And I'm not going to do him any service trying to t- say what he's done. So I'm actually going to turn this over to JP. JP, can you just? My audience is very eclectic. Very like we've got everyone in here, man. I've got business cool. owners. I've got uh, jujitsu guys, MMA fighters, and obviously guys that love to shoot. So. Man, can you give us a little background on yourself? It sounds like my group. <laughs> it sounds <laughs> like my group of people. Uh, I like to do a little jujitsu. Um, okay, so quick background. I grew up in Sacramento, California. I uh, grew up in the same house that my dad grew up in, which is kind of cool. Um, went to the same elementary, same high school that my dad went to. Actually, I had some of the same teachers that he had uh, in high school. Uh, I had a really good upraising, uh, really good relationship with my parents, my brother, my sister, uh, aunts, uncles, cousins, grandparents, we were all very close. We'd, you know, do our family birthday parties. We'd go up to my grandparents' property in Northern California. Um, and just, you know, having access to five acres up in the foothills and the mountains was really cool growing up. I grew up wanting to be a Navy SEAL when I was a little, ever since I was a little boy around five, uh, probably six, seven time, uh, age time frame. kind of really started to figure out and learn what they were around the eight, nine, um, year old frame in my life. Um, and I just become an, I, I, I became infatuated with the SEAL teams and that's all I really wanted to do. And I was very fortunate when I graduated high school, I was able to go into the Navy and I had a contract to try to become a Navy SEAL. I uh, made it through that training. I didn't quit. And I went through our advanced training and checked into SEAL team three, uh, had a couple of really good deployments there. Um, was at the training command. And then I decided to get out right around the 12 year mark to focus on my wife and kids. I already had a failed marriage, had a couple of failed serious relationships as well. Um, And that's fine because when I was in the SEAL teams, the SEAL teams were number one. That's what it was for me. Um, And a lot of, a lot of guys, but I, I recognized that there was a shift in our community and a shift of what was going on overseas and I just really felt it was heavy on my heart. I really needed to focus on on my wife um, and, and my bonus boy. He's my stepson, but he's mine, right? He's my bonus yeah. boy. And at the time he was four years old and Amanda was pregnant with twins. And I was just like, you know, this is, this needs to be my new focus. And I got out of the military. I moved to North Mississippi where Amanda's from, where she lived. And um, I started doing sales at a financial company. And uh, you talk about a rough transition. You go from being active duty in the SEAL teams where when I was at training, I helped stand up our combative cell, our marksmanship cell. And, you know, I was, you know, a lead instructor for all of our urban warfare training and our close quarters combat training. So that was my job, right? Was teaching guys to go do that stuff, Uh, you know, training and fighting and shooting. Like, bro, come on, man. It was like the best job ever. And then I get out and I'm like, cool suit, tie, sitting in traffic, going to an office, you know, doing sales. And it, you know, it was a unique transition in my life, but I'm very thankful for that opportunity because, uh, one, it was an opportunity for me to provide for my family, to make money for my family. And two, I learned a lot working with that company. I started learning a lot about business, about life, uh, about relationships and communication and all these things on the outside that i was completely oblivious to. Um, you know, I was really 
sheltered in the military because I, especially in my community and the SEAL teams, like I thought when you said you were going to do something, that's what you were going to do. I thought you could shake somebody's hand and that meant something. And on the outside, people are going to fuck you if they can. Excuse my language. No, no, they're you're going good. to, right? Yeah. Like they're going to, if they, if, if, if it's what benefits them, they will screw you, your family, your company over every single day of the week. And I saw that firsthand and I was just disgusted. It's a hard, it's a hard pill to swallow. Yeah. I remember actually going and talking to one of my buddies who is the manager of the credit department. And I was like, this, this is a real thing. Like people do this. He goes all the time. I'm like, what? They just make up fake invoices and they get paid and they don't go to prison. He goes, no. I was like, you, you've got to be kidding me, man. Yeah. It was absolutely insane to me that people would do stuff like that. And then I saw just how people were just so fake and double-sided on, on the business side. Like, Hey, how are you doing? Like I go to their best friends and then they walk around the corner like, and I was just like, oh my gosh, man. Like, but the flip side, I also saw, like I said, really good stuff that I learned a lot from. Like I yeah. learned from the owners. I learned from the sales team that I was working with. Um, I got promoted to sales manager um, within eight or nine months of working there, which was pretty cool. Learned a lot in that position. Decided I wanted to kind of do my own thing after about a year or two of that in that position. I left the company, start my own consulting company because I saw a big void in the training that first responders were receiving. And yeah. I was, I was helping teaching shooting for first responders. Uh, I was, you know, just trying to do what I could with tactics, combatives um, for, for law enforcement. And I started doing like team building events for different companies. Um, and then I had the opportunity to come on board echelon front to be, an instructor with Jocko and Leif. And I've been doing that for the last five years. And I know that's a very condensed background. <laughs> um, but, you know, to go back to my time in the SEAL teams, it was phenomenal, man. I mean, some of the best and worst times, you know, we lost, lost a lot of teammates over the years. We've continued to lose teammates over the years from suicide, cancer, accident. Um, you know, I've, it's, kind of concerning the amount of guys that we're losing from cancer these days. Um, but, you know, we also understood the the risk that was involved in our profession. Um, I loved my time in the SEAL teams. I loved it. I loved it. I had the absolute best job in the world, I felt, you know. And now what I get to do at Echelon Front is the absolute next best job in the world because I get to share the lessons that we learned in combat and in training uh, to, to companies and individuals all across the world. And, you know, when you see them decide that they want to take ownership of their life, when you see that they decide that they want to actually implement these principles that can make them a better husband, a better father, a better business owner, uh, you know, a better jujitsu instructor. I mean, I've, I've sat and talked with some of my, my buddies that are black belts and they, they teach jujitsu and they're like, you know, having problems teaching jujitsu with their class and the organization and it's these principles, guess what? Apply to them. And we'll yeah. sit and we'll talk through these things. And they're like, dude, that makes sense. And then they apply them and it works. So I just, man, I'm so thankful. I've had a really unique path. And, um, you know, obviously I'm sure we'll talk about jujitsu being a part of that throughout the years. Um, but yeah, that's 
kind of what we got so far. What what do you have for me, brother? Oh, I, dude, after all that, I've got a lot. Obviously, no, number one, thank you for your service to our country. I think that's yours as well. Thank you. Uh, I, you know, here's the deal. I, I was go back with this man. Um, I've spent the the majority of my my adult life around military individuals, right? Mm-hmm. And then the last twelve years, I've spent with guys that yeah, I just consider on a different level. Right. And, and I go back with anyone that's in that tier one yeah. asset, whether it's, you know, Navy SEALs, CAG, SF, MERSOC, you know, um, PJs, and, and even you trickle that down even a little bit lower. Cause I mean, that's like top of the top. And then you've got th- that middle rung, right. Um, they're just built differently. The, the way they think is different. The way they challenge themselves is different. Um, one thing I was trying to tell my students the other day, man, is I'm getting guys get ready for the Atlanta open. And so I have my regular classes and afterwards I have them do like a drill to win scenario for 15 minutes. The first 30 seconds of your, your, your match needs to happen. Like, you know, it's a process. If you don't get to what your a game is in 30 seconds, you got to know what the B game is. Right. And then we, we've got to break that down too often. When I see guys shake hands, they're like, man, I'm just going to feel the flow of my buddy. I'm like, no, 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 you got to go. Like there has to be a mission. You have to be ready to go. But what I do see with them is like they do all this hard work on the mats, but they never practice the mental aspect of it. Right. It's like I always tell you guys what breaks is the mental portion. Once a mental portion breaks, then the physical portion breaks. And what I see with guys on a on a higher level like you guys is you understand what that is. You understand what that breaking point is. And I was telling them, I need you to go to tired. And realize that behind tired is something super amazing. Mm-hmm. And it's again, when it goes back to you guys, I don't have to preach that. It's like, you guys know what's there. I just have to convince you there's something there. And we talked about this earlier, which is you got to know your why. It's like, why am I doing this? What's the process of it? Not because I'm super cool. And like you, you kind of went back with is black belts are just black belts, man. We don't know. Like I always tell you guys, like I got my black belt in 2008. In 2000, in, in 2008, I won the pans as a black belt, like eight weeks after doing it. Wow. So by the principles of everyone, I was there. But the truth was, man, I wasn't there. I tell guys, man, it took me two years to really understand what it meant to be a black belt. Hmm. What I mean by that is like how to teach, how to teach correctly, how to be able to, because I always tell guys like, what is your journey from white to black? It's very personal. It's very selfish. It's about you and your ability to get to that next belt rank. Mm. Once you get the black belt, you're like, huh, now I got to actually teach real jujitsu. I can't just teach everyone my game. I got to be able to transition and push this. And so, you know, you get guys that come in and they go, man, I made it. I'm like, oh, no, no. Black belt's just the beginning, my friend. Right? I'm going, I'm a third degree black belt. I get my fourth degree next year. So obviously I've been doing it for a hot minute. Um, yeah. And I always tell guys, I still don't know crap. The truth is I learn from everybody. Um, but when I go back to that, that you guys, that it, it's the easiest thing to explain to guys like, man, just go to a guy that's done stuff in his life and watch his demeanor, man. That guy understands that there's a, there's a breaking point, but past that breaking point is some amazing stuff. People just don't get there. They quit. Yeah. And again, if you couldn't do that as, as a seal. Like, that's just unacceptable. The guys that I deal with, Green Berets, it's the same aspect. You can't quit. Like, you have to push past. So 
do you see a lot of the stuff that you did military wise translate over to your jujitsu? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I would say the biggest thing would probably be that tenacity and mental toughness that we had to have going through SEAL training. Um, and more importantly, combat, because, you know, there's guys out there that talk about SEAL training and yes, it's very difficult. It's hard. But buds and how weak is nothing compared to actual combat. Like the guys that I know that have been through real hard combat, they'll all say the same thing because our deployment to Ramadi was absolutely insane. It was a hundred times harder than how weak and buds and SQT combined. Like it just was. Um, and so that mental toughness and tenacity, you have to understand that that is something that if you decide to keep pushing it, never plateaus. You just have to constantly be refining it. Now, your performance and your mental toughness can plateau when you start lacking discipline and you start and you stop pushing yourself to the level that you're supposed to push yourself to. But you can constantly be uh, refining your discipline, your mental toughness, your tenacity by putting yourself in hard positions, by constantly, you know, pushing that marker and understanding, okay, hey, I hit here tomorrow. I need to hit here. And the next day I need to hit here. You need to be striving for that constant improvement and growth. And let's be real. Is that going to happen every day? Nope. But if that's what your mindset is, your progression is going to be well above everybody else. That's just like, well, it's okay if I plateau. It's okay if I plateau. You know, actually, I don't need to go to that extreme again. And that's one of the things that like drives me crazy sometimes when I'll go work out or train at different gyms. Like you'll see guys that have so much talent and they're wasting it. They're just absolutely wasting their talent because they're not willing to push themselves to the next level. I used to call guys in the gym when I was training in Memphis and I've even done it here in the, in the Texas area um, that I know are just phenomenal studs and athletes. I won't even call them by their name. I'm like, what's up? Waste of talent. Oh, like I'll just be man. like when I, when I was training in Memphis and I, you know, you know, training MMA and again, it was amateur MMA. It wasn't a big deal. You know, I, I freaking, I was doing it as a stress reliever when I got out and I enjoyed it. I was seven and one, but it was amateur MMA in the mid South. It wasn't like this big deal. Um, where, real quick. Where did you train at in Memphis? Memphis judo and jujitsu. Joel Gingery and yeah, I know Joel very well. He yeah, yeah. A former team guy. He's a, yeah, he's a former team guy. I've, yeah. I've known Joel for so obviously I'm, I'm from Nashville. Um, okay, cool. I, I know those guys. Memphis judo and jujitsu is pretty legit, right? You have they've had some really good there. Obviously, Joel's out now in Florida doing his yeah, own thing. Joel's he's got tried it. Yeah, he's got tried jujitsu, but you know, the Underwood brothers, Zach Underwood, yeah. Jake Underwood, uh, Teddy Holder was there back when I was there. Andy, Bro, you're going, you're going Joe, old school. Joe, those were my first coaches. Uh, my first gym when I was in Mississippi was actually called Prize Fight Boxing, and the Underwood brothers were there. Yeah. And then they yeah. left there. There's some drama with the owner, and they started Pincer with Andy because Andy Urich was at Pincer, and then they opened up another one in Horn Lake. And that's like, those were my first coaches where I have pictures from uh, Zach Underwood, Jake Underwood, Joe Pass, Teddy Holder, Andy Urich, all in my corner for my fights. It will get me warmed up for, you know, fights. Like those are my, those are my guys. 
That is crazy. I did not even know that. Yeah. Like yeah. I've known Dave Ferguson for obviously forever. Yeah. Um, he's a good dude. Yeah. Dude. And, and, and again, that school is probably like in Nashville, it was Nashville MMA. And mm-hmm. then in, in, uh, in, in Memphis, it was Memphis judo and jujitsu, right? Like those yep. were the two major schools. And I would say the the early two thousands, um, and late, you know, like 2008, 2009 timeframe, obviously jujitsu and martial arts as a whole has grown. So there's, I mean, there's so many schools around here, but there was a lot of talented dudes back then that went nowhere. Yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy. Middle of nowhere. Right. And, uh, I remember when they ended up shifting over to Memphis judo and jujitsu, it was cool. Cause then I started training over there. I I'd been out of it for a little bit and then I came back and then, you know, I always knew who Dave was and then getting to know Dave, I was like, Oh, he's an awesome guy. Right. Yeah. And great coach, great owner of the gym. Um, so yeah, that's where I was training. And, but yeah, there's some of those guys, <clears throat> I just straight up call them. I'm like, dude, you, you're a waste of talent. You are wasting your talent because they weren't pushing themselves. They were just showing up. And yes, I understand that you have to show up and sometimes showing up is the most that you'll get. I get it. We've all had those days, right? Yeah. Yeah, I had sure. one of those days, uh, what day? Oh, last week, right? I was like, <laughs> I don't even know what day of the week it is. Um, and I was just sitting there and my, I was sitting at the gym. I, I trained under, uh, uh, Formiga, Rafael Formiga Barbosa now. Yeah. Yeah. Dude. And so, yeah, that's my new professor. Uh, he opened a gym close to our house. I got connected to him from Dedeco because of the connection with origin uh, Formiga is one of Dedeco and Alexei's top black belts that they produced. Well, Dedeco and Pete, as you know, co-founded Origin. I had that connection. He was like, hey, can you set up um, Formiga's gym as a wholesaler for Jocko Fuel? And I said, yeah, because that's one of the things I can, I've been helping them do is set up different gyms as wholesalers for Jocko Fuel. I said, yeah, absolutely. And that's how I met Formiga and uh uh rodrigo uh you know his number one black belt there and just became like i was cross training there a lot and he was just like hey you're always welcome to my gym anytime you want to come train here i appreciate it and then we were in the process of moving uh we still are uh, up into that area and so i was just my schedule didn't allow me to train at my other gym in the evenings anymore you know when i'm home i've got stuff with the kids and that's my priority so the midday classes at formiga's gym is ridiculous like yesterday uh my buddy was there and there was there was 11 black belts on the mat for a noon class on monday you know it's just crazy like to to just the high level guys they have there they have a pro training team where they cross train with like marcus adelante and a couple different gyms and like all these guys are coming together and training and i was like man this is where i need to be especially with me moving to there and so I left my other gym. There was no drama there. It was just a very like, hey, we're moving. I haven't been able to train here in months because of the schedule. I'm training over here because of my schedule. I think the right thing to do is for me to leave. And the owner of the gym was like, yeah, you got to, you know, what, you got to take care of your family, number one. You got to be able to train. Yes. Hey, you're always welcome to come back here and train. You know, you're still part of this family, which I thought was really cool. There is zero drama, zero ego involved, which is rare these days in this yeah. sport, right? <laughs> But, and, and I go back to this because you get this, man. So like we can talk about a whole bunch of stuff, but I think it's nice to have someone that comes from the community that you come into, or you come from, and then into the community that kind of has, I wouldn't say like 
they're mirror each other, man, but they're, it's the same alpha male type mentality mm-hmm. individuals that are doing jujitsu and MMA. Um, but what I do find a difference is key thing you said there, no drama, no nothing. Why? Cause you actually had a conversation, right? With, with yeah. your, with your instructor. And what I find is sometimes when guys leave and I've just seen this, I mean, I've been doing jujitsu for 30 years. I've seen guys leave and not have a conversation with their instructor, right? Just kind of peace out and go. And it's like, and have the conversation. Cause now it's just awkward. If you have a conversation yeah. up front, 99% of gym owners are going to be like, bro, you got to do you. I appreciate you coming to me. I appreciate it's there, but you do get a lot of guys that just kind of like I'm out. And then all of a sudden you see them on social media. So somewhere else and you're like, bro, you broke bread at my house, man. What's up? Yeah. <laughs> like, like not even a conversation. Like I, I ain't yeah, mad at you. Crazy. But. <clears throat> and I think, you know, that kind of stems back to people not understanding how to have hard conversations. Uh, yeah. Was it awkward? Yeah. I was dreading that conversation because I cared about all those. I'm sorry. I cared and I still do care about all those guys at the gym. Uh, this weekend, I mean, my wife and I went out with a group of them from the gym for a birthday and we all had a great time. It was, they're, they're still our close friends. Um, and that conversation actually really stressed me out. Like having to go have that conversation, like, man, I was like sick to my stomach about having the conversation, but I also knew it was the right thing to do. And I had the pre-conversation with a few of the other black belts and just kind of was like, Hey, here's what's going on. And all of them, same thing as you, you just said, they're like, cool, man. Like you got to live your life, do what's best for you and jujitsu. I was like, Oh, like, Oh, there's no conflict. There's no, there's none of that right now. And then I just knew also, and then I, I realized I'm like, Hey, if any of these guys had an actual problem with it, then that tells me what I need to know about them. And they're not really the friends that I thought I had. Yep. And so that was the other thing that helped me have the conversation with the owner and a bunch of other guys was if they truly are my friends, this doesn't define our friendship. We can still be friends. We can still hang out. We can still cross train. There should be zero drama. It's a, it's a, it's a logical decision I'm making. It wasn't emotional. And, you know, and the owner of the gym, he was super cool about it. He was awesome. And then, you know, I went and had the conversation with Formiga. I said, Hey, I officially left my gym. I'd love to be under you if, you know, and he's like, of course, I'd love to. And then my family got signed up there and that's where I've been training. And yeah, I mean, going back to my comment of like, sometimes you just got to show up. I I did that the other week. Like I just, just everything in in me did not want to go to jujitsu. I didn't want to do anything that day. And I was like, oh, this is the day that I absolutely have to go. And I went and it turned out to be an awesome training. Like it was freaking so legit. And I was like, all right, good. That's what I need. But the thing I'll, I'll say, Ray, is once it was go time, I told myself it's go time, like activate. You know, I don't know if yeah. you listen to Jocko's podcast that I've been yep. on, but recently talked about like the whole activate thing. You know, that's something that I tell myself, like activate. And to me, that's something that def- like it's a like trigger for me to turn yep. it on. And once it's on, it's on. Like, hey, every round we're going hard. Every round I'm preparing for battle, for combat on the mats. And, um, you know, it's just for, for me, it's something that I have to do. But first I had to show up, but second, I had to commit to bringing that intensity and showing up is not enough. You have to show up, but then put in that extra work. You have to turn it on to go to the next level. 
And it's, it's sad that a lot of people just convince themselves, well, if you just show up, like, you know, that's all you need to do. Just show yeah. up. No, you need to put in the work, man. Yeah. If you don't put in the work, nothing is going to change. You're not going to improve. And you're actually doing your teammates a disservice by being a pathetic training partner that's not pushing them, that's not making them train harder. You're not doing anybody any good. Well, I, I go with this. Like, man, if you're in the room and no one wants to be your partner, you need to look in the mirror and have a hard conversation with yourself. There's a reason why most, like, listen, we do that. Like, when you pair up with guys, like, hey, coach get, teaches a technique and goes, all right, guys, go out. Let's go work it. You're going to grab the guy that gravitates in the same mindset as you. It's just it's the law of nature, right? Like, yeah. And you get a guy that'll sit back and like, I just got no partners. Like, bro, because you're 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 showing up that's it you're not putting in the time you're being a fish as a, as a training partner or you're fighting as a training partner you know you've i would say this you either got a fish or you got a fighter right yep. when i'm teaching when i'm doing a technique you'll get guys that are falling over i'm like bro would you do that in a match no then don't do that now like you're giving yeah. and then you got the what if guy well bro this wouldn't work if i did this or this i'm like bro just do the technique what just, we're really teaching right yeah. now is muscle memory just muscle memory it's not like you could defeat this. Yeah, of course you could. If I gave you, if I told you, dude, I'm going to throw a triangle in five seconds. You're like, no, you're not. Right. Yeah. I'm going to, okay. but you don't know that. And, yeah. you know, it, again, I feel like we live semi in a society where showing up is just enough for most people. I would, I would say the, I think we're a little past the semi portion. I think, I think we're, you know, but <clears throat> that doesn't define the rest of us. And I get nope. that, you know, um, and that, yeah, that's the difference between winners and losers. Yeah. Uh, there's, there's always a winner. There's always a loser, you know, and I know, <clears throat> I understand the concept behind the saying, you know, and I know this is kind of big in jujitsu with kids and, and even, you know, a lot of gyms have adapted this. Like I never win. I'm sorry. I either win or I learn. I never mm-hmm. lose. I understand the concept of that. I personally don't like that saying because you're taken away from the fact that you actually either win or lose. Now what defines you is what you learn and take away from those wins and losses. That's what defines you. That's what makes you a better person. You're going to lose. I'm sorry. I go out and do a jujitsu match. You either win or you lose like, okay. And some people are like, well, what about draws? I'm like, that's a glorified loss. You should never be happy about a draw. Like when fighters are happy about draws, I'm like, oh, you knew you were losing and you got lucky because they called it a draw. You should be pissed off with a draw because that means that you didn't win. You either win or you lose. Now, again, whether you learn from those wins and losses is 100% up to you. So – you know, I, and I'll tell you this, I actually use the winner you learn process, but I explain it in detail, right? I think that's if you just, the difference. You yeah. explain it in detail. Like the, yes. the, the coaches that don't, they're doing their, they're, they're doing their, their students a disservice. And that's why yes. I had that little disclaimer when I said it, I said, I understand the principles and I know why some people do. And I get it. The gyms that are explaining that. Yes. Yes. That's what we need to understand. But we also can't be bullshitting ourselves or our students by saying, hey, no, no, you didn't lose. That's a learning opportunity. Yeah. Hey, you lost, but you're what learning. Did you learn? like, what did let's you learn? focus on the learning more than the loss. 
right? Mm -hmm. And then we can adapt the whole, I win or I learn if you're learning. Yep. But you have to understand that you lost. Somebody was better than you. What do you do to make yourself better? In a gunfight, hey, there's only one option. <laughs> we have to win. Yeah. Because if I lose in a gunfight, I'm either severely wounded for the rest of my life or I'm dead. Yeah. Or my teammates are dead because I didn't do the right thing. Yeah. I think maybe as we're talking about this real time, that's why I'm so passionate about the whole that saying is because yeah. I don't, I don't, I've seen complacency creep in, right? Yeah. And now jujitsu is not life and death, but the guys some, you work with, yeah. it's life and death. Yeah. And yeah, to some, it could be life and death because that's the way they provide for their family, right? Yeah. And that's how they're making their ends meet and their next meal is coming from, and I get, so that is life and death for some. For some. But yeah. for, for guys that, you know, law enforcement, first responders, you know, military where their job can be life and death. I, it bothers me when I see complacency starting to creep in. For and sure. that's just, I, I think that's something I'm really passionate about is you, know, you have to go to war with complacency every single day. No, totally agree. I, uh, you know, when I do explain this, I'm like, Hey, listen, one, number one, I was like, I've been competing my whole life. I've been wrestling since I was five. So just that competitor's yeah. mindset's always been in my, in my, in my DNA. Right. Yeah. Um, and what I've learned is if I go into a match and I go with the mentality of, I have to win, I don't do well because I'm not going to take the chances and, and, and I'm not going to, not going to do things that I need to do to win. I'm going to play the safe game. I always play like, yeah. You play the safe game when you go like, man, I got to win this match. No, go out there and perform your best and let let it yeah. lay where it lays. Because when you go out and you perform your best, you're not holding yourself back, man. Now, does that guarantee wins? No, no. but you're not going to walk off that mat and go, man, I could have done more. If you go in, you're like, man, I just want to win. I need to win this match to get to the next thing. I'm like, go out there, dude, and lay it all on the line. And then it's going to lay where it lays. And then if you lose, and that's where I'm like, yeah, you lost. But what did you learn? Yes. Like what, what did we take out of, and then even in the same cases, <sighs> Hey, you just won. What did we learn? You know, sometimes exactly. like, man, do the drilling makes sense or man, you know, I finally put together a game plan that makes sense. And I go with this, like when I look at tier one dudes, when they're, when they're setting up and they're training, all that's being played into play, right? Yeah. Like everything flows, everything's there. They understand what needs to be done. And there's just a lot of translations to me that transition over from dudes that do what you did for a living and being able to come over and teach those life lessons to dudes that are competitors. Again, like you said, you've helped black belts out that teach how to teach better. And the, it was amazing. Yeah. And it's amazing that black, I mean, we know this cause you know, the, we know the, the egos that are in jujitsu <laughs> and man, it takes a big man to be able to say, hold up, man. I don't know everything. And this guy knows a lot. I'm like, I was telling us, I'm a black belt in jujitsu. I'm about a one stripe purple belt in owning a business. Right? <laughs> I, Which is I, legit. <laughs> yeah. I mess up a lot of stuff and I've got a lot of white belts that are black belts in the business world. And mm -hmm. it's like, yeah. it would be idiotic for me not to sit down and listen to a dude that's willing to mentor me, man. I'm, I was telling us it, it, it takes you a certain portion or point in your life to not hear right but listen to what someone tells you when you're young you'll hear stuff right this guy's going to yeah. tell you like like you said 
a young dude, you're like, man, you're a waste of talent. And they hear you, but they're not listening. They hear no. you, man. I got you. Yeah. It's not until years later that they go, shit, I am a waste of talent. And then by then it's too late. Like as we get older, we start to understand we don't know everything. And there's amazing people that can teach us amazing things. And so that's oh, awesome. Ab- yeah, absolutely. I mean, and that comes down to humility. And, you know, one of the things, uh, and I know, Ray, you're familiar with, you know, Jocko and Leif and extreme yeah. ownership and what, what they teach and talk about. And, you know, humility is the number one characteristic of a great leader. And, you know, when we talk about leadership, it's not your title. Your title doesn't make you a leader. Um, you know, having a black belt doesn't make you a leader. Having, you know, a brown belt, a purple belt doesn't make you a leader. Yeah, you're an upper belt, but, you know, a blue belt, a white belt could actually be leading that gym because what makes you a leader is your ability to influence those around you to do the right thing, to work hard, to believe in the mission, to believe in themselves, and to actually go out there and do the work to accomplish the mission. That's what makes you a leader. And when we lack humility, you know, and when you can't check your ego, you can't listen to people. You don't learn. You don't take the time to learn about the new methods or tactics that are out there. You don't innovate and adapt. So you're not going to actually be evolving as a person, which means you're not improving. You lose respect for the enemy or your competition. You get complacent. You're not willing to do those self-assessments. And that's just, that's all from us lacking humility, which is crazy. It's absolutely crazy because we are also driven by our egos. Our egos are what drive us to be better, to do better. But when we can't check our ego, when we can't show humility, that's when things start to to not be ideal. Um, You know, and I have another buddy who's a black belt. He's actually now the lead instructor at Memphis Judo and Jiu-Jitsu, my buddy Donnie. Um, And uh, funny. Yes. Donnie Cook. Yep. Jesus, yep. bro, such a small world. <laughs> Insane, right? Yeah. Such a good dude. He's a, f- a full-time firefighter. Yeah. Um, you know, he's, you know, badass jujitsu guy. And him and I were talking. I, I came to the gym to come cross-train. We were back home visiting. And um, he was, you know, like every instructor does. Like they demo the they, you know, demo the drill. Anybody have any questions? Nobody asked questions. They go off, they start drilling, and he's having to walk around and fix all these things, right? And and I was there, and there was it was all whites and, and blues, and I, yeah, I just got my purple, yeah. Anyways, I had my purple belt, and so I was just kind of walking around, kind of helping him out. I just step in there and drill, and I realized I'm like, oh, I know exactly what happened. And so he gets ready to bring everybody back in. I say, hey, Donnie, real quick, and he's like, what's up, buddy? I'm like, hey, this is gonna be awkward. Just trust me. Just try this out. I want you to demo it. <clears throat> but bef- but when you get done with the demo, I want you to pull a student up to come to reteach it. And he's like, okay. I'm like, just trust me on this. They're going to struggle through it, but it's going to show the rest of the students that they need to be paying attention. And if they have questions, they need to ask questions. I was like, but what you should do is also tell them ahead of time, hey, when I get done with this drill, I'm going to call one of you guys up to come reteach it. So what, so what we teach in the military is called a readback yep. or a brief back. And I know you know this, Ray. And, <laughs> and so it's like, hey, if, you know, if we're preparing to go out and do a mission, I said, hey, Ray, when we get done with this brief, I'm going to have you and your fire team come up front and teach. And I'm sorry, and brief back to me and the rest of the group what you guys are going to be doing because I want to make sure I articulated the plan properly. And if 
if there's any misalignment, we can get aligned. And I also want to know what I need to do to support you. You have to take ownership of that. <clears throat> and that's the thing I told him. I'm like, hey, you got to take ownership. Don't say, I want to make sure I didn't confuse you, that you want to make sure that you are teaching it properly. He's like, okay. So he gets up there and he looks at me and I'm like, like kind of like, just, I know it's awkward. Just do it. Try it. He goes, hey guys, I'm going to try something. Um, he goes, when I get done teaching this, I'm going to pull up one or two of you to teach it back to me and the rest of the group, because I want to make sure that I taught it to you guys the right way. And if you, bro, I wish I had a video of everybody's posture. They're all like, yep. like just do like chest out, head up, like sitting perfect. Right. Because they were focused. They wanted to make sure that they were paying attention and it changed their posture. And so he, he demoed it twice. And then he's like, uh, all right, you come on up. And they're like, huh? And he's like, come on up. I want to make sure I communicated to you guys properly. So he took ownership. He didn't put any pressure on the student. The student came up. It was like, boom, boom, boom. And he saw something different. And he goes, actually, hold on. Now that I'm seeing it from this way, you know, we need to be doing this. And it allowed him to show humility and kind of tweak something. <clears throat> and it was because the student was demoing it wrong. But he didn't put it on them. He put it on himself. He goes, actually, hey, boom. And they made some tweaks. And he said, all right, hey, good job. And that person had a sense of pride. Where like When they went back to sit down, they're like, awesome. And then he grabbed somebody else. They came up, same thing, taught it. He goes, all right, hey, does anybody have any questions now? And guess what? Some people had questions and they raised their hands. They were able to talk through it. He's like, all right, cool. Hey, ready, break. Boom. They went and they drilled it. Guess how many corrections he had to make when people were drilling that time? Yeah, almost none, very probably few. minimal. Yeah. Yeah, it was very, very minimal. And it was cool just simply by supporting the ego, taking ownership and saying, hey, guys, I want to make sure I'm teaching you guys the right way. Because we know most students aren't going to ask questions because they're intimidated. Yeah. And he's been implementing that into his teaching. And he's like, bro, it's been making a big difference. And he's been doing it for over a year. And it was cool to go back. He's still doing it. And um, I mean, now he's one of the, he's now the lead instructor there. Yeah. No, no. Let's, well, as you're sitting there telling me this, like a couple of things, right? Number one, I do that to my kids. So my kids program at my gym is huge, right? Like yep. when I say huge, I'm talking ridiculously huge. Um, and this is how I teach my kids, right? Um, and and the truth is I could wish I, I would, I could teach all adults this, but there's a, and we'll talk about this here in a second, but I teach step-by-step step with my kids, right? Number one, I've got, we'll just say an average class for me is about 45 to 55 kids in a class. Oh I've got, my gosh. Yeah. Right. Um, I will on, say man. this, man. And again, the military has helped me understand how to control this, but not when I was in it's the 12 years of hanging around amazing human beings. I was like, bro, I'm an idiot, but I'm consistently an idiot in certain places that allows me to be kind of smart. So, you know, <laughs> well, you're learned... not an idiot, but no, yeah, no, I, I get it. I just, I kind of <laughs> giggle. It's, it's always my running joke. Like, dude, if I can Same learn here. this, anyone can. Oh, I, dude, I, I love to pull out the line. Like <clears throat> I used to like kind of, I was insecure about it because when I first came on board the team, <clears throat> Jocko, Leif, 
They bring me on as a first instructor. Then they bring on Dave Burke, who's a Top Gun pilot, Top Gun instructor. He ran Top Gun school. He's the only uh, person, I don't know if you know much about Dave's bio, but he's the only, uh, he's the only human to have ever flown four different fighter planes uh, operationally in combat. Like the, the top four that we have, he flew them all, commanded those units, everything. I mean, he's, there's a reason why his name is Good Deal Dave. You know, when Jocko talks about it on the podcast, phenomenal. Damn. So those are the guys I'm surrounded by. They bring on another instructor, high level, uh, highly educated uh, officer as well. Bring on another guy, officer. And I'm like, I'm the only enlisted guy and I only have a high school diploma. But you know what? I'm humble, I'm coachable, I'm teachable, and I'm a hard worker. And I value the fact that I'll go get to work faster than most will because people that are a lot smarter than me will overthink things and I'll just be like, you know what, let's figure it out while we go. And that tends to be a benefit for me. Um, But now I kind of joke as well and I'm like, hey man, I have a high school diploma. If I'm able to do these things, what's your excuse? And you kind of joke, you're like, yeah, I'm an idiot, but which we know is not true, but you're a knucklehead, right? We, yeah. we, we think of ourselves as knuckleheads, but man, you ask questions, you listen, you're humble, you're coachable, you're teachable. And more importantly, all that, you actually take action, you work hard. And if you weren't taking action on the opportunities that you've been provided to implement the skill sets that you have to people that need them and provide services to people that need them, you wouldn't have the success that you'd have. You wouldn't have that many kids in your class if you weren't doing the right thing. You wouldn't be working with the guys you work with if you weren't doing the right thing. I know that to be true because once guys don't fulfill their commitments and aren't doing the right thing in those communities, they're gone. Yeah. No, listen, I, I 100% like, again, I go back as like with that many kids and I have eight instructors on the mat, you can't teach like, all right, here's, here's a technique, go and do it. Like not with kids, right? Because they're going to go back to licking walls and doing weird stuff. So, um, and I use that same concept. I'm like, Hey, listen, I'm going to teach you this. And if I see you not paying attention, you're going to come teach a technique to me. And all of a sudden, again, at five, six, seven, eight year olds, you know what happens? They go, now they're watching, but I also teach in a step process. So let's just say like, um, a Kimura. Well, just I'll, and obviously most of my audience knows jujitsu. How I teach is like I'll talk, get in closed guard. All right. Step one, pull the hands to the mat. Step two, unlock your feet, put them to the ground. Step three, sit up and hug the shoulder. Step four, lock your wrists together. Step five, sit back. Step six, finish it. Right. And so what that allows us to do, one, it's giving them step by step process as kids, but two is it allows us as coaches never to leave a kid behind. So I'm step one. It's easy for my, my instructors to go, okay, I need to go fix that individual. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But again, that it's a process that, that makes sense. And what I find is, man, these kids, you know, sometimes parents are like, man, this is like, especially if they don't train, they're like, this seems pretty difficult what you're showing. I'm like, yeah, but they want it. The problem is you you baby your child, your child wants to learn, let them learn. Yeah. yeah. Right. Even sometimes on the butt whooping, some of the kids take, cause listen, we go hard in the paint and I'll get a dad. That's like, ah, I'm like, dude, your kid's fine. I know you didn't like seeing him get his butt whooped, but man, he is learning something that is so invaluable, which is to get up, put his big boy pants back on and get ready for the next match. Yeah. There's a lot of society that doesn't know what that feels like. 
right? Yeah, my wife. Yeah, my wife and I had that same conversation with our daughters a few years ago. They did a jujitsu tournament, and it was like girls only tournament, or they didn't have a really big turnout. So our daughters, guess what? They went up in age and up in weight uh, to actually get some matches. Um, you know, they they just turned ten uh, on this last Thursday, and this that was about three years ago, two and a half years. So they were seven, seven and a half. Uh, no, I'm sorry. Two years, two years. It was about two years ago because they've been training. I don't know, somewhere in that window, right? Yeah. So they were around the seven, eight time, eight frame. Uh, let's just say they're eight. Uh, they do the tournament. Well, the girls they're going against were ten and eleven. That's a big difference between eight. It doesn't seem like it, right? When you get older, like boom. But from eight to ten to eleven, that's a big difference on a kid's <laughs> like growth just everything. And they were up a weight class. <clears throat> Bro, our daughters got their asses kicked. Like not beat, but like bad. Like my daughter Cora got like slammed, like taken down. Like I was like, oh. And as a father, you're watching and you're like, but then I had to remind myself, they're okay. Like they're okay. They're not injured. They might be hurt. They're not injured, right? And afterwards, we tried to use it as an opportunity to teach them like, hey, what you did, most people wouldn't go out and do. Just right now, I'm telling you, most people would not go out and do what you just did in general. Two, to go up experience, up in a weight class, that was phenomenal. Like, we're proud of you just for going out there. Like, and the fact that you're able to handle that and not be completely just, just a complete meltdown, we're very proud of you as well. So it was, yeah. it was a good opportunity for us to work with some stuff through them, but Whew, watching that was hard. I had to remind myself like, Hey, they're There's okay. A, yeah. This is helping them develop into being just better humans. Let's and again, like I, I go, my day goes like this. It's four in the morning. I wake up, I drive to Fort Campbell, Kentucky, and I teach what we call an open mat, right? When it's not open mat, but it's me teaching to guys that are coming in for PT. Right. And so it's got, I always say, it's the guys that finally decided to go down Geek Street after a course and we're like, ooh, boxing, jujitsu. And they, and they teach it here. Yes, I'm going, right? Yeah. Um, so I get those guys. And then afterwards, you know, I've got teams that come in and it just depends. Like, you know, it depends on what the team wants. I always go, like, we're pretty flowy. And, and again, that flow goes through the aspect of, um, I've been there for a long time. And like you said, it, no matter all the accolades I had, and, and this was brought up to me by a very cool captain, Captain Raymond, as a matter of fact. Um, but, you know, I came in as a black belt, an MMA fighter, you know, and not a very good one, but an MMA fighter. Um, <laughs> and, you know, I'd done judo and all kinds of other stuff. But there's a vetting process that happens. If you're not part of that inner tribe, there's a vetting process. The truth was, man, that vetting process was about three to four years. Yep. Where I got, where guys were finally like, okay, hey, Ray's legit. We need to be there with him training, right? I had the guys that knew I was, but to get like the the masses to be like, hey, yeah, we got a legit, we got a legit dude here. We need to go learn from. It wasn't an easy process, man. And and it's like, but once it's there, it's amazing. So now we have teams that come in, and I teach, you know, hey, I want knife work, or hey, you know, work you know, we want fighting out of the back of a vehicle. Cool. Let's rock that. And 
dude, I love fighting out of the back of a vehicle. True story. This is how I, I blew my ACL out last year fighting out of the back of a vehicle. It just got mm. caught up in the back of the seat. And when he went for his pistol, I went to grab it and we twisted and everything twisted, but my knee, right. It just popped out of place. So yeah, horrible thing. Um, it was what it was, man. But you know, five months after surgery, I was competing in the IBGF Pan Ams, right? Damn. Um, but I also own a recovery system. So we'll talk about that later. Okay. Um, so, you know, but I, I go from that to coming and teaching three to five year olds. So I was like, I go from, and I just make fun. I always go from, I teach murder, death, kill to friendly, squeezy hugs, right? Like it's just, <laughs> I have to, I have to shift quite a bit. And, um, but it's, it's for me training kids. It's my passion, man. Cause yeah. they're, they've not, for most of these kids, they haven't pill, they haven't been told they can't do things. They, or they, that you shouldn't be able to do this. I, I never lead off with that. I show them some pretty impressive stuff. Right. And I'll just sit back and watch. And it's like, they may not get it right away, but they're going to get it. Right. And I think as parents, sometimes we sit back and, and I'm just saying this for me, we want to overprotect our kids. Why? Because they're ours. Like that, like at the end of the day, that is ultimately who I'm responsible for. But yep. sometimes I feel like some parents just, man, they, the blanket's too, it's too heavy. Mm-hmm. Let them go out there, man. They want knowledge. They seek knowledge, right? Yeah. Especially like, and, and I go with this. I have a lot of female instructors at my gym. So we have a lot of female young students. And I've said this from about three to 11 girls are just dynamically way more violent than boys. Oh, I don't yeah. know why, but I'm... it's like, it's scary to watch some of these girls beating the crap out of some of these boys in, in my class and i'm like Ugh. and then there's a change that happens right mm-hmm. like about 12 or 13 some of the boys start to figure out, oh i got muscle you know i'm starting to get a little strong but it's still now even though they're stronger there's still this mental thing that's happening with them like yo that girl's been beating the crap out of me for three years so it takes them <laughs> about a year to get past that <laughs> yeah. funny story oh. i have some teenagers now they're now teenagers they started with me when they were four um, and one kind of had a crush on the other, you know, one of the boys had a crush on the girl and I had to have this very sad conversation with him. I'm like, Hey homie, like, I love you. You're barking up the wrong tree. He's like, huh? I'm like, bro, she's been making you cry for like the last six years. You ain't the yeah. one. She's going to date a skinny jeaned wearing dude that you yep. could probably mop up with one pinky, yep. but it ain't you. And he's like, dang. Okay. It ain't going to be you right now. Maybe like <laughs> when she like understands life when she's 22, 23, 25 ish, yeah. you know? Yeah. But during this window, it ain't going to be you, buddy. No, no. A, <laughs> that's and, and again, that's what I, I do. I love watching kids just grow in there. Like you just see the confidence level. And, and, and again, I'm very fine tuned in with jujitsu. I'm sure it happens to other martial arts. But to me, like I started in karate and some other things and yeah, you get to break a board. That's pretty cool. But when you finally learn how to manipulate another human's body to get to a position where they have to tap, yep. it's just, it changes who you are. I just, just tell guys like, you know, um, and, and we were having this conversation yesterday with one of my students. It's like, have you ever fought someone where they put so much pressure on you that you couldn't move? 
and you realistically had a panic attack. If you haven't, then you ain't done jujitsu, right? Yeah. Because there's a difference. Like when you're rolling with someone and they tap you out, you can go with, oh man, I made a mistake or they're better than me right now, but I can fix that. But when someone just physically manhandles you and sits on top of you and there's nothing you can physically do, that's scary, right? Yeah, it is that. Yeah, well, that's like what rolling with Pete Roberts is. It's freaking ridiculous, man. That guy is... Yeah, same with Jocko, you know, Dean Lister, yeah. Formiga, you know, those guys just it's at a different level. And I was talking to one of my buddies and um he's like we were talking about tapping the pressure. And there was like a some there's some some gyms uh that were like, if you were a white belt and you tap the pressure, you're not gonna get your blue belt. And I was like, That's a unique concept to say or think, you know what I mean? Because I'm like, like yeah, I know. <laughs> like your reaction, I was just like, okay. I was like, that's got to be just like a joke saying at the gym. He's like, I don't know. I was like, okay. He's like, have you ever tapped the pressure? I'm like, no. He goes, what? I'm like, I give up something so that they go for it. And he's like, what do you mean? I was like, so technically, yes, I have tapped the pressure. I was like, but I've never like, I was like, I'll give like something to where they're like, oh, boom, I get that arm bar, that Kimura Americana. I was like, I will give them something to where they just go for it and they sub me. And I'm like, cool, I'll give them something to get off of me. Or like, they're like, you know, got my head or I was like, but I've, I was like, I've come very close. But I was just like, for me, I also know I have this claustrophobia that I've been trying to deal with. Yeah, it's funny when people find out that I'm claustrophobic and I have a fear of drowning, they're like, they squeeze hard. became a Navy SEAL. Like, what the frick, right? But, you know, it's something I, I put myself in those uncomfortable positions. Like my one of my best friends, Stephen Little, he's training jujitsu with me up at double five, just got his blue belt recently. He's 272 pounds and he's athletic. It's a terrifying human being to be learning jujitsu, yeah. right? 272, very athletic, very strong, quick. And the other day we were rolling and and we got done. Like I, I subbed him in, in something and then we went to restart. And I'm like, no, come on. And I let him like start on side control. Because if I had somebody that big and that strong – Inside control, that's a very bad opportunity for like that's a that's a bad situation for myself. Well, he immediately goes north south. And I'm like, oh shit. Like this is not gonna be good. And I felt that little panic come in. I'm like, I know what to do. And I felt it. I was like the timing kind of like push and push. And I had that I had that one little moment and I was able to push, turn, boom, regarded. And he's like, dang. And I was like, that was a panic move. That was 100% a panic move. I'm just trying. I don't want to be stuck under you in North South and let you settle. Like if you settle down on me in North South, like, man, it's going to be really hard for me yeah. to like to get out of that. And uh, so I just had that timing. I went for it. But it, it's funny, like, you know, guys need to feel like you have to have that feeling of just somebody completely controlling you just like to where you can't do anything. Um, you know, it's funny. There's like when growth I, that happens there. Tons yes. of growth. You know, what's awesome is about how good of an instructor Formiga is, is I was rolling with him yesterday. And I know when I roll with him, he's like 20%, maybe, you know, maybe. And I get it because he's letting me work. And he caught me and, um, you know, Uma Plata, And he was just like, hey, when this happens, this is what you need to do right away. 
he goes, you know, he's like, you got to trap this, turn this, square me up, boom, bring it in this way. And I was like, okay, cool. So we reset, we're rolling, boom. He gets me in that situation. I'm sorry, that position again, but not right away. He let some other stuff develop. Boom. He gets me in that position and he let me work through it. And I was like, oh, cool. And I felt all good. And I was like, I looked at him. I'm like, thanks for letting me work through that. <laughs> like, I like, you know, that initial, like in my mind, I'm like, yeah. Oh, I know what happened. You let me work through that. There is zero chance I made those corrections on him on my own. If we're going 100%, 100%, zero chance. But it was so cool. Him as the professor, as this multiple like nine or 10 time world champion, just completely subordinating his ego and letting me work through these drills. And, you know, he had me mounted and boom. And I felt like I had a sweep and I go for the sweep and I get the sweep and I realize, oh, he let me sweep him. Like there's zero chance I got a sweep on him. He let me sweep him to work these different positions. And it was really cool. <coughs> there was times where he would flow from me not being able to do anything and me understanding the level difference between the two of us. Yeah. yeah I'm stronger than him, but he's so good at jujitsu and strong that it made no difference. Like I could not have done anything had I tried, but then he throttled back and let me work, which allowed him to work. And it was just, it was, man, it was really cool. What, and I know you can probably respect no. and understand that as well. So I'm going to talk about him here in a second. Cause I, I'm going to a correlation that I'm going to put with him in a second, but I, I do the same thing. Like with my students, I always tell you guys, unless I'm getting ready for a competition, I'm not going hundred percent with you. I need like, what's the, what's the purpose of me going hundred percent and tapping you? Like we know that's supposed to happen. My job is to make you grow. So my job is to get you to see where there's openings. And also it helps me out. It helps me grow. Right. Cause it, the, the stronger you get and the better you get, the better I get. Like that's my, always been my theory. I'm, I'm not the jujitsu coach that hides stuff. I know a lot of good dudes do like, they want to keep so their, crazy to me. it's a dumb, that's crazy. Yeah. It's like, it, I don't, I don't, and again, I don't understand the reasoning behind it, but I've never been that dude. And then again, I go back to my military background. It's just, you know, like you have to prepare the next generation. Like at some point I'm, I'm going to be irrelevant and I need that generation to be able to push past that. And it's not going to happen unless I'm, I have humility. Right. I've got black belts. I've got 18 black belts at my gym. I got black belts that tap me all the time, mm -hmm. but I'm the coach. Right. I, and again, I'm, again, I'm the leader and there's differences on that, yeah. but you know, it, it's, it's so important. I think there's a reason why for me is a multiple, multiple time world champion. Just go talk to him. You'll figure it out. Oh, right. Yeah. You have a conversation with the guy and you're like, I get it. I so I, it. and this was, what I was coming like every time I love watching him roll, right. To me, like I'm a jujitsu nerd. I'm a, let's just, I'm, I'm a fighting nerd. Anything that has to deal with just fighting, man, I'm in. Right. And I want to break it mm -hmm. apart and I want to figure out how it works best for me and how I can give it to my students. But I look at for me and I tell guys like, man, this dude right here, just watch him, watch how crisp his jujitsu is. Right. When you watch for me roll, man, it's just, it's almost poetic to a certain point. And I don't want to throw that on him, but I worked yeah. with a guy named D. Um, he was a retired CAD guy. And he came to uh, with Greg Thompson to teach a, a SOC P certification course for us. 
And watching that dude move through a room was just, I was just like, what the fuck, man? Yeah. Just, I mean, it looked like he was floating. Every, it just, it was to me, I just stepped back and was like in awe of, of the movement. And I was like, all right, well, this is a guy that has formed his skill set to a point where his body is just flowing, man. He's just moving. And when I, you know, I look at a, like a, some of these, like, I always call them like bowling bro and a dryer uh, fighters, dudes that are just, you know, you were in a fight with Formiga, you know, you were in a fight, but you knew you were in a fight because you could never catch up to him. His jujitsu is just that crisp. Yeah, it was impressive. I was watching him roll with a black belt yesterday who's um, more than 10 years younger than him. Uh, very athletic, very good. Uh, I mean, the guy has, you know, multiple championships as well under his belt and everything. And I was watching him like you know, I was – it was – for me, he had me sitting out on this round. You know, there was uneven. He's like, hey, I want you to sit out. I'm like, okay. A little pissed, but he's like – and I'm like, <laughs> Yes, sir. <laughs> like, you know, I mean, what, I'm not going to push back on that. And, uh, but I also know everything he does is calculated, which is awesome. He pairs everybody for the rounds most of the time based off of what people need to work on and what they're trying to get out of their game. He literally pairs everybody in the gym for the roles, which is really impressive. And then he'll let guys just pick their rounds as well sometimes. But so I knew what he's doing was calculated. I was good to go with that. So I'm watching him in this other black belt role. And it was impressive to watch how he would throttle up and throttle back, throttle up, throttle back when it was needed. And he was letting this guy work to put this guy to the next level, putting himself in extremely deep waters. But then all of a sudden I would watch his game change. And like what you were just saying, Ray, it became so crisp and so fluid that all of a sudden now this other younger, more athletic stronger black belt could not do anything to him and it was all sudden boom and i was like that was one of the most beautiful things i've watched with jujitsu and i was so thankful that he had me sit out because i was able to watch that and what i learned from that was what we were talking about earlier and i hate that we're almost up on our time yeah i want to do this again in the future if we can yeah for Um, sure and i would love to and you know connect you with Formiga and some other guys, if you'd like to ever have yeah. them on your podcast. But what I learned from that was watching somebody throttle up their intensity when it was needed and being able to bring it back down when it was actually needed for the other person to be able to throttle up so that they could get better at their game when it was needed, but then also being able to flow back and forth. And what it showed me was he's so good at what he does that he didn't have to really truly think he could be deta- he was able to be detached detached from that role enough to see it all happening together and that's that's just high level expertise right did you want to go up and talk to the other black belt just to pick his brain and be like so at what point did you realize like you were in deep water at what point did you because you almost want to think i've rolled with some of the highest level dudes around that i like i feel and there's just times where you're like there and you're like how the fuck did i get here like where did that happen yeah i i did but i mean it wasn't the time now you know i know but (laughs) Um, you want to you want to be like how was i just want to pick the brain and he would have like definitely been like this i mean he's super humble he's you know an amazing human being but this is what formiga does literally to everybody 
it, it, that's what's impressive. It's not just one person. Every black belt that comes in there, he does it to them, um, which is just insane. Um, but I think it goes back to what we were talking about is just that's what brings people to the next level is that ability to turn it on, to be committed to the game. He also takes this serious. This is his everything. Yeah. He's, you know, he teaches every class. He, you know, that it's his life and he leads by example. And there's no question why people come and cross train there, why people leave their gyms to come train under him. Uh, it's just, he's just at a different level. So, and you, we go back to that and I know we're getting a little short, but it's like, you talk about it and I talk about it all the time. Leadership is huge, right? And leadership is not a title. Nope. So, you know, anytime I hand a black belt out, man, and I have this conversation with a black belt, I'm like, this doesn't mean shit. I'm like awesome. who you are is more important than this belt. Yeah. Don't get this belt on and think that everyone is just supposed to bow down to you. That's not how it works. Right. Like humility is key. And I always say this, I'm sorry is a word that for some reason us men do not want to say. Yeah. So I'm sorry goes a longer way or ownership. Like you said, Listen, like there are times where, and I tell guys, man, I've like, I'll come into the middle of class. Like, yo, I fucked this up guys. This is all on me. This is like, I own this. I'll fix it. It is what it is. And your students aren't going to look down on you when you do that. As a matter of fact, it elevates you to a point where like, all right, well, he's normal. He's human. He's not an asshole. Mm -hmm. Right. How many times, and you've been around this a long time, whether it's in the military, whether it's jujitsu, whether it's business. You find guys that because of a title, they think that that is, that is the making point. I've made it. Yeah. And it's like, no. well, the title, again, the title doesn't define them. It's who you are as an individual. What is your character? Are you, are you a man or woman of integrity or are you a man or woman of, of, of character? Do you, do you tell the truth or, you know, are you trustworthy? Um, you know, what are, what are your ethics that you uphold as, as a human? And, um, you know, one of the alarms on my phone is, uh, earn your purple belt, you know? And I, I set that ever since I got my purple belt at my other gym, because I feel like I didn't deserve it. And it wasn't until recently that it's kind of like, okay, maybe I'm a purple belt, maybe. And then I'm quickly reminded at double five that that's a strong, maybe like, (laughs) you know, it's like, you know, but I'm fine with that because my other professor felt like I deserved it. And, you know, I, 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 and I do know that I, you know, deserve it. And I even talked to Formiga about it. He goes, no, you're a purple belt. He's like, you are a purple belt. We'll get you where you want to be. He goes, I know where you're not where you want to be, but we'll get you there. He's like, don't worry about any of this. And, you know, the other coach, but I've had that alarm set is where it's earn your purple belt. And it's, for me, it's just a reminder of, hey, have humility and work hard. Like the, the harder you work, the, the easier things will, will start to unfold for you. And yeah. it doesn't make life easier. It just makes those things unfold a little bit easier for you, the harder you work. And I think that's a thing that, you know, you're doing a great job reminding your black belts and it's the same thing that Jocko and Dean do. It's the same that, that Formiga does. And a lot of other gyms that I've trained at my old gym is like, Hey, this is just the beginning. Like when they give out the black belts, they say, this is just the beginning of your journey. Yep. And to, to me, I think humans should remind themselves of that every day. Like this is just the beginning of your journey my buddy Sal Fursella at First Form says, hey, you know, day one, every day is day one. And that's one of the things that we should think about oh, is, you know, when you when you go into the, hey, this is day one mindset, 
it allows you to be thankful for the opportunity that you have and you fight that complacency from creeping in. Because you got to think about like, whenever we start to go do something great or challenging, the day one is when we're usually the most engaged and dialed in because it's day one. But it's yeah. over time that we allow that complacency to creep in, you know, and, you know, so I think if we can remind ourselves of that day one mentality of, hey, this is just the beginning in your journey of jujitsu, life, business, it's going to allow you to go to war with complacency every single day. Dude, I love that. Dude, that's awesome. You know, I tell this to my students when I hand them a belt. And, and this is just my own personal thing. This is just the way it's processed for me. When I give you your blue belt, it doesn't mean you're a blue belt. It means that you've done everything I've asked you to, to do as a white belt. So here's your blue belt. Now you get to start the journey as a blue belt. Oh, and there's like going to be that. a lot of bumps in the road. Yeah. You know, and I think that put, for my students, it puts it into perspective. Because again, I don't know anyone that truly, like, there are people out there that they, they're they are belt hunters. I just want my belt. Most yeah. people, man, we're knowledge hunters, right? Mm -hmm. And so the guys that I see that I hand belts to, that are really, and again, I'm sorry, good, whether it's in jujitsu, in life. And I always say, man, if I find someone that's really good at jujitsu, their life's kind of on point. Yes. Right. Um, but, you know, I, they, re, they resonate with that a little bit better because all of them are like, I don't know if I'm a purple belt. I'm like, you're not yet. You're, you're getting ready to start your journey as a purple belt. Yeah. Right. And then yeah. once you're like, once you're done there, and that only came to me when I got my black belt. I remember I like when they tied my black belt on, I wanted to give it back so bad. I was like, dude, no, 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 no. This, this is responsibility. I don't like responsibility, but you just kind of, you know, you're just like, that's too much. That's too much. Yeah. You know? And again, from a, from a validity standpoint, sure. I went out and won the pans as a masters, you know, yeah. obviously, you know, within eight weeks of getting it. So yeah, you can say, all right, this guy's legit. But when it came to, to understanding it, I dude, it took me two years. I took, I was like, that's why I tell like my younger students, like, man, you know, so-and-so, I just don't like the way he teaches. I'm like, bro, he's a brand new black belt. He's still trying to figure it out. Go to any yeah. brand new black belt's gym and he's throwing up information. Why? That, for some reason, I see this with a lot of new black belts. They're like, they'll teach a class and there's nine moves. I'm like, ooh, it's too much, too much. Oh, yeah. I know you want everyone to think what you're doing, but it's too much. And so again, like you say, the journey has got to, it's continual education, like, I was telling you, it's like, um, there's a, uh, there's a safe zone, right? And, and no matter what we do, we press ourselves, we get to the safe zone and there's going to be people in the safe zone. that are going to tell you, hang out here, man. It's awesome. Gated communities, no crime, yeah. no nothing. Just hang out here. It's good. I'm like, no, you got to go past that. There's cool shit on the other side. And it's with jujitsu. <laughs> you get, you see guys get, I wouldn't say complacent, but they get comfortable with this is my game. And I don't want like. I don't want to go to that route, man. That route, there's failure. Well, there's yeah. failure in the beginning until it makes sense. And then there's no failure. But again, those are the outliers. And I, I look at you guys when I, when I see like, again, Navy SEALs, Green Berets, whatever, man, those guys are, those guys don't live in comfort town. Those guys are always pushing themselves in a out of their comfort zone and to become better. And, and again, we know this, you got guys on teams that do come in with that closed mindset, mm -hmm. you know, and, and, Again, JP, how long do those guys last? Not long. Not long. It's like, no. can't have that guy. Yeah, and I, I know this is, I didn't invent this, but I've heard it, and I know you've heard it. Uh, comfort is a thief, right? Okay. It's just one of those things that's going to take away. And, 
That's why I kind of go the whole complacency thing because complacency is comfort and you have to go to war with complacency in all aspects of your life, not just one, but all aspects. And like you said, you know, the guys that have their jujitsu games dialed in, they tend to have the other aspects of their life dialed in as well, because that's, you don't go to war with complacency in just one aspect of your life. You need to do it in all aspects. And I think that, and that's a habit and those habits are effective um, and those habits are also contagious. So once you start doing it in one aspect, it's addicting to do those good habits in all other aspects of your life. That's awesome. Well, JP, I know you got to go, brother. I appreciate your I time. I'm sorry. Man, listen, I would love to have you back on the podcast. And I know you and I talked about, let's, I would love to connect, man, and come out there and just train. Yeah. Um, yes. How can people find you, man? And, and, you know, anything that you would like to throw out there? Yeah. I mean, uh, Social media is a powerful tool if you use it the right way uh, on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, and LinkedIn, I believe also is just at JP Donnell. So JP and then Donnell, it's like dinner, but with two L's at the end. Uh, it's the easiest way for people to remember it. Um, uh, you know, I tend to do a lot of stuff on Instagram, uh, but yeah, you know, just biggest, I just reiterate what we've talked about a few times, you know, discipline equals freedom. Um, you know, and if you're lacking discipline in your life, it's because you've been lying to yourself. Discipline is rooted in the truth that we tell ourselves. So stop lying to yourself and go out there and do the work. Awesome, brother. Again, thank you so much, JP. And Appreciate it, brother. We'll cut it. Thanks, man. Thanks. All right, brother.